Tonight on Huckabee, Doug Collins in the 2020 election fallout. Miss America, Betty Maxwell. Magician Xavier Mortimer. And country music legend, Mo Bandy. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbury. Thank you very much. What a great audience we have for the very first show that we have taped this year in 2021. And how many of us are looking forward to 2021 being very different than 2020? Anybody? Okay. Not that it has been so far. I mean, this has been a tough week for America. It has been an embarrassing and disgusting week for those of us who believe that the recent presidential election was tainted with some unanswered questions about fraud and massive voting irregularities. But whatever hopes we had, that there might be a sincere investigation into the evidence that the media claimed didn't exist, got wiped out by a hot-headed mob at our nation's capital. Now, to be clear, of the tens of thousands of protesters and demonstrators who descended on Washington, most really were peaceful, law-abiding patriots who loved God, their families, and their country. But those who stormed our nation's capital, ignored and fought the police, broke windows and doors, and vandalizes the offices of members of Congress and the Capitol itself, they weren't patriots. They were a mob, a violent, lawless, and reckless mob engaged in criminal acts. Some of those participating in this mayhem are who tried to defend it, somehow tried to compare the actions of the mob to those of our founders in the American Revolution. Let me be very clear. The violence at the Capitol this week was not at all like the American Revolution. I mean, the Revolution of 1776 was carefully thought out. It was meticulously planned and carried out by people who had exhausted all avenues to peacefully secure their liberty and to rid themselves of the intolerable behavior of their mother country, England. They declared their independence in a carefully crafted document, and they pledged their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. They didn't act spontaneously or compulsively. Their actions were thoroughly contemplated, and the consequences were fully understood. What happened this week was carried out by some hot-headed people who were moved by raw rage. There was no rational consideration of the consequences. Now look, there are no excuses or explanations for endangering innocent people, destroying public property and challenging the authority of law enforcement. And even if 95% of that crowd were God-fearing law-abiding citizens who are rightfully angry that their beloved republic is being taken over by Marxists and the useful idiots in the media who follow along, there's still no justification for the mayhem. Some of the writers even quoted Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But Dr. King never got so fed up with the horrible and unjust treatment by the government that he said, okay, that's it. Let's storm the Capitol and break windows 
and occupy the chamber. The American Revolution indeed became violent. It resulted in a war. But they weren't a mob who in a blind rage launched something they had no plan to fulfill. They articulated their grievances. They requested relief. And only after all possible remedies were rebuffed did they declare their independence. We've got to be the voice of reason and rationality. Quite frankly, the mob set back the conservative patriotic cause of limited government and a government that provides justice equally. This angry mob played right into the hands of the press and the left. Let me be clear, I support the many policies that President Trump has implemented to put America first. I'm so glad he stood up to China and Russia. He brought manufacturing jobs back to America. He did it. He cut taxes because, quite frankly, he believed that you could spend the money you worked for better than the government could. He fought to protect the lives of unborn children. He protected religious liberty. He stood with Israel against those who sought to annihilate her. And he appointed constitutionalists to the courts. He also got us a vaccine in a time frame that all of his critics said could never happen. But he did it. Now, I don't blame him for what happened. Because maybe there were some people who supported him. And they devolved into criminal activity and tried to take over the nation's capital. But to be fair and honest, some of his language about the election being stolen might have cost us two Senate seats in Georgia. And it gave some the false sense that it was justifiable to storm past the police barricades and take over the Capitol. Well, Joe Biden will be the next president. Let me be clear, it is not who I voted for. I know that's a big surprise to a lot of people. <laughs> but I'm not going to burn down the country because he's president. I'm going to speak out for my views. I'll faithfully vote in every election. And I will work to ensure that our elections are honest and trustworthy. But as disgusted as I was when Black Lives Matter and Antifa followers were burning our cities, looting stores, and attacking police officers, I'm equally disgusted when people who may share many of my views do the same thing. I don't care what their politics are. They're lawless thugs, and they've got to be found, charged, and prosecuted. Here's the simple truth. I can't teach my children and grandchildren to obey the rules of my house if I can't be trusted to obey the laws of my own nation. Well, with just two weeks left in President Trump's term, demonstrators took to the U.S. Capitol to protest the results of the presidential election as members of Congress met to certify Joe Biden's win. And as we all know, chaos ensued with property destruction, violence, and mayhem in the halls of Congress, leaving five people dead. This un-American attack on the seat of democracy should truly horrify us all. Recently, I spoke to former member of Congress Doug Collins of Georgia about where do we go from here? It was a crazy week in our nation's capital, Congressman, and I think all of us were embarrassed by some of the actions that uh, we saw with what is simply a riot. React to what happened. Uh, what do you feel happened Wednesday that set us back? Uh, well, I think the whole event uh, of Wednesday set us back. I think it was just the, the attitude that uh, what we saw, the the lawlessness, the, the rioting, the, the disregard for other people, the disregard for our Constitution, the disregard for the very building that I used to work in, you know, and seeing that happen was just, was just 
devastating. And it, it has a moment in which you just look at it, and it's one of those kind of moments that you remember. It was like, the, you know, in, in traumatic experiences, you're going to sit back, and I think the country will remember this this date and, and the images that came out of there. Uh, it was very disturbing. It had nothing to do with peaceful protests. It had nothing to do at the end of the, of the time with making a, a a First Amendment case. This was just lawlessness and, and needs to be prosecuted here. You know, I've been to troubled when I've heard people try to compare what was done Wednesday with the founders and the American Revolution. I thought these people Wednesday were not patriots. Uh, they were they were a mob and they had no plan. If they had taken over the Capitol, what were they going to do with it? It was like the dog chasing the car. Uh, they didn't know what to do if they ever caught it. It was an embarrassment to the country and an embarrassment to the conservative cause, without a doubt. I agree with you. And, you know, and from I, I was actually doing, uh, I'm still, as you well know, still an Air Force Reservist and a chaplain, and I was actually on base this week. And uh, it was really an interesting feeling being on an Air Force, on one of our military bases with our fine men and women and, and seeing this happen because, you know, we've known what we have fought for for the years to make sure that our democracy is what it is and that th this is something that was, as you just pointed out, there was no plan. There was no end result. It was just, let's go take selfies in the, in the Senate or, say, or, or break down or, or harm somebody. And people died in this. And this is it's just, again, it does set us back. It does set back a conservative cause because everything now is looked at uh, over the past few years of the good things that we have been able to accomplish are now, unfortunately, being viewed in this, uh, this prism. You and I have both been strong supporters of the president. His policies have been remarkable, and his accomplishments uh, have been stunningly uh, important for the U.S. But, you know, there are a lot of people who are blaming him exclusively for what happened Wednesday. I, I don't blame him, but I, I think that his rhetoric certainly uh, inflamed a lot of those passions that we saw Wednesday. What do you think the president could have, maybe should have done differently leading up to what we saw as that melee at the Capitol? Well, it was not a good day for the president. The, the, the rally inflamed uh, a lot of things that were going on. Um, but no, I agree with you. It's not uh, specifically just him. I think you had a, a situation which uh, people had no, uh, you know, if we just talked about no end result of what was going on. But I think my, my concern was is there was not quicker coming out and saying stop this. There was not quicker coming out in the way that he has a very much of an ability to do to talk to people and say, let's, let's stop this. This is not part of, of what we want to be a part of. This is not what we are, who we're about. This election process will go through legal means, as he said last night. You know, in, in his Thursday night address, it was, it was this is a, a process that is done legally, not illegally. Um, and I would, have, we, I would have wanted to see that come out a lot quicker, which didn't, which uh, tended to, uh, you know, cause things to get worse. All of the conversation about overturning the election in several states and trying to get Congress to do something seemed to overshadow what was a very important race in your state of Georgia. Two Senate seats. We lost both of them. Uh, that gives the Democrats almost, uh, you know, a run of the table. How, how big an impact do you feel it had on voter turnout? Were Republicans discouraged? Do they just not want to go out and vote in a big way on uh, Tuesday? I think, unfortunately, Mike, I think that's what we saw. Uh, we saw in, in areas that uh, Republican turnout did not match the November turnout that Democrats had in Democrat areas. Um, and that's a concern. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, Georgia's, Georgia has a lot of election law stuff that needs to be fixed, and I want to be a part of that, and I'm, I'm working on some things uh, that I think, you know, we've talked about before, how we can get together and have good conservative solutions to election reform. People need to trust their elections. Georgia has a lot to, to deal with, 
But a January 5th election is very difficult coming through holidays. And then you add on top of that the mistrust of their vote counting or people thinking. And then you have people out there telling them not to go vote. As I said many, many, many times leading up to this election, if you really want the Democrats to win, if you wanted the Ossoff and Warnock to win, then stay at home. And unfortunately, it does appear that in areas where we could have had higher turnout, where we have seen higher turnout, they didn't come back out, and we lost a, rel a really fairly close election. But it is interesting, though, we did have one Republican, uh, the PSC Commissioner, Bubba McDonald, who you have met and know, uh, actually won statewide. So I think there's a lot of dynamics here in this Senate race that we need to look at. I was stunned that there were people telling Republican voters not to go vote, and supposedly they were doing it because they thought somehow that would help Trump. I don't, I don't get that. Was there ever any rational explanation for how that was going to somehow improve this great republic of ours? No, I think it was just uh, selfishness. I think it was put out there by people who were gaining attention. And uh, how that, as you said, how would that actually help the president? I mean, we were looking at maintaining the Senate. We, we were already coming through a very difficult presidential race, which we now know Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will, will be leading on January 20th. How is it going to help to have a Democrat uh, Senate? It doesn't help at all because... Uh, Everything that we've tried to fight for, the president fought for, is now uh, at, the, at the mercy of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and the Biden administration. That's, that's just not good. We needed to have had at least one of these senators win. We didn't. Now we have to, to take an assessment back and go back and look at, you know, what message are we giving as conservatives? Are we actually taking the time as conservatives to remember that we're the party of the individual, the person? We believe in people. We don't believe in government. We got away from our core message, and I think that's a, a problem that we got to deal with as well. A lot of the controversy about the Georgia elections had to do with Governor Brian Kemp and the Secretary of State Rasberger. Um, it's led to speculation that there will be a challenge in the primary to Governor Kemp in 2022. And quite frankly, a lot of that speculation centers around a guy named Doug Collins. Now, I'm not expecting you to tell me if you're going to run. I'm only asking uh, because poll numbers show that you would win the election. Are you at least open to it? Is it something that you're considering? Well, it's, I'm just considering all options at this point, Mike. I'm not ruling out anything. I think we've got a long time. We've got healing from this week to do. We've got healing in our state to do this because it's going to come in a, in a cycle. The governor and the secretary of state have a lot to answer for about what happened last year, especially the secretary of state in particular on the consent decrees, but it was agreed to by the governor and even the attorney general. Uh, so there's a lot that needs to be answered. But I think going back to our very start of this conversation, let's let's make sure that we put this election uh, in its proper perspective in the ugliness of this week so that we can get back to where we have a voice with people to where they get back to what we've known. And for those of us who have you know been in the military, who've been overseas, who, who know what this country is like, we need to make sure that we are that shining light on the hill, that all of us come together. We have vast differences, and that's what the political process is for. It's not for everybody to agree. Differences are what matter in this country, but how we resolve those differences can never uh, overshadow the democracy that we have. It can never resort to the violence that we've seen this week. Well, if you decide to make a go of it, you're welcome to make the announcement right here on this show, so keep that in mind. <laughs> Congressman, great to see you. I appreciate your friendship and your leadership. God bless, and I hope we have a much better 2021. Well, we're looking forward to that, Mike. Thank you for all your support, and I, I look forward to being with you again many times. And you can keep up with Doug Collins on his Twitter account, at Rep Doug Collins, or at Collins for Georgia. Hey, Keith, what do we have coming up tonight?
Well, up next, Miss America 2016, Benny Maxwell, and the magic of Xavier Mortimer. More Huckabee is on the way. Well, it's the calling of the Lord to serve those who are suffering and broken, whether they're in your community or whether they're in another country. And there is nothing better than giving to save lives as well as souls. The work of Samaritan's Purse is never done. And because of generous people just like you, Samaritan's Purse can continue doing the Lord's work. Please consider giving a financial gift to Samaritan's Purse so that through you, they can continue to give much needed help to people all over the world. And I know they join me in saying thank you. Well, how does a girl from a double-wide trailer on a Georgia farm grow up to be a singer, speaker, author, actress, and Miss America? Her amazing story and her advice on keeping your faith when facing long odds are in this wonderful new book called Miss Unlikely. Would you please welcome Miss America 2016, Betty Maxwell. Betty, it's great having you back because Thank you. it is back since you were here before. It's true. You know, I don't know, uh, you may not realize this, but you were here to fill in for Keith Bilbrey, who was off gallivanting, yes. doing something unimportant. Off gallivanting. Doing something of total worthless endeavor, and he almost lost his job to you. You were that Really? Good. Yeah. You liked me that much? We did. We all loved Aww. you that much. Thank if it you. wasn't for his contract, I think we would have just. All shoved right. him out the door. Well, out. thank you so much. I had such a great time doing that. That was so much fun. So he thank didn't you for hear, having me He back. didn't hear that, did he, what uh, I just yeah, said? I, I heard it all. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Oh, he's right there. Oh. You couldn't afford her. You can afford me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're back. <laughs> well, Betty, it's great having you. Thank I, you. Your story, uh, I, I said this to you in a note, it ought to be a movie. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so it's much. Tr it truly would be a powerful movie because your life is the epitome of what America can be. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I, the, the inspiration for writing my book was I just felt called to take all the experiences that I've been through growing up in kind of a non-traditional pageant life. I grew up on a farm and then yeah. ended up being Miss America. And I, I just felt like all those experiences could really help young people today. So I wanted to put it in a book. You know, I love the fact you did not grow up in um, a family where there was great affluence and wealth. You grew up uh, where there was a struggle just to make ends meet. And I'm sure that there was not, you didn't have the typical stage mom kind of pushing oh, no. you on. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you know, most people, especially, you know, being from Georgia in a true pageant state, yeah. the southern states, um, they all think that when you're Miss America that you must have grown up doing pageants. And I didn't do my first pageant until I was in college. And um, I definitely didn't have parents pushing me into it at all. Um, I grew up on a farm, like I said, in a double-wide trailer, shooting shotguns with my dad and hunting and driving the tractor and <laughs> all that girly stuff, you know. So um, it was definitely a surprise to people when I tell them my story and how I became Miss America. I, I think it's one of the things that endears us all about you. You're a real person. You've lived a life that a lot of us can relate to. You, you know, you're not somebody who lives up in some stratosphere that we can't even begin to understand. Right. But you dreamed as a little girl that you would do something very different with your life than just shoot shotguns out <laughs> on a farm. What did that dream mean for you? And how did, where did it come from? 
I don't know. I was born with this voice. Um, yeah. I've been singing since I was three, and my parents kind of realized it one day. They were like, is that sound coming out of her? Because I had a very <laughs> mature voice and vibrato, even from a little girl. And I knew that I was meant to do something special and something big, but I just didn't know how I was going to find that path. I, I definitely didn't think it would be through pageantry. Um, when my mom first asked me if I wanted to try a pageant, I literally laughed at her. I was like, Mom, I am not a pageant girl. Like, I don't, I don't want to be associated with that stereotype. Um, I was like, I'm smart. I'm not airheaded. You know, I'm not, like, mean. Like, I'm a nice person. I want to be for world peace, something like that. Right, yeah, there you exactly. Go. Um, so when I, I finally decided to do it, it was because of the talent competition. I could sing and yeah. promote myself and because of the scholarship opportunities as well. Now, you started into the pageant world, and I thought, well, okay, you'll get scholarship possibilities and poise and all these opportunities. Did you think it was going to take you to be Miss America? Not at all. And I, I, I did my first pageant, my first local pageant, and I was actually first runner-up, and I won the talent competition on my first try. And after that, I was like, okay, that was pretty fun. <laughs> Maybe I should try this again. And I did it a couple more times, and I finally won my first local pageant, which meant I could go compete at Miss Georgia, the state competition. Uh -huh. I was second runner-up my first time at Miss Georgia out of, like, 50 girls. So I was pretty proud of myself. And after that, I kind of been bitten by the bug, and I was like, okay, I think I can win this thing. Wow. So I decided to go back and I represented my hometown as the, as the local title the next year. I competed at Miss Georgia and I won Miss Georgia and then went on and won Miss America. So Only the second girl from Georgia to be Miss America. Yes. And what a ride. And, and here's the thing. I want people to get your book because... You, I do too. Well, no, I tell you why. <laughs> because it's a great encouragement. And, and I certainly think it's a great encouragement for young ladies and Thank women. You. But men will appreciate the fact of what it took for you to get there. This is the book. It's called Miss Unlikely. It's available now at Amazon and all major booksellers. And you can learn more about Betty, and you can book her as a speaker for your event. Go to her website, bettymaxwell.net. Now, after hearing you, uh, I have a feeling people want to call and say, Betty, come to my town. Come to my organization. I would love it. You can also keep up with her on social media by following her at Real Betty Maxwell. Well, we've got another great guest coming up after the break, so don't go away. Still to come, magician Xavier Mortimer and Mike takes us to his happy place, Waffle House. Later, country music star Mo Bandy. You're watching Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Well, this would be a great place to give Trey Corley and the Music City Connection a big hand for the terrific music they give for us every week. Hey, if you haven't heard yet, I've got a new podcast. It's called The People's Podcast. It is available exclusively on Quake Media. You can subscribe at quakemedia.com slash Mike. Now, you have seen my next guest on Masters of Illusion, America's Got Talent, and Pin and Teller Fool Us. And boy, did he fool them. His show, Magical Dreams at Bally's Hotel, has been named the best magic show and the best family-friendly show in Las Vegas. I want you to welcome the astounding Xavier Mortimer. Yeah. 
You know, people think that because we're up here on the stage that we know how he does that stuff. I, I, I haven't get any idea. Trey? <laughs> I'm a little freaked out right now. Wow. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Well, let's give a big hand again for Xavier Mortimer. He's yeah. going to come back and join us for some more magic. Xavier, we're happy to have you here. That was Hi, amazing. Robert. Thank yeah. you for having me. Well, I'm delighted. I, I don't understand how you did what you just did. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I've got a little present for you. Oh, but I we'll like open presents. it later. Oh, oh later. Uh, I'm, I have a favor to ask okay. you. Okay. What, what would Governor, you like? Governor, would you uh, please hold the tea bag for me? Hold the tea bag. Yes. Go ahead. Hold okay. it like that. I will. Now you're gonna spin it like a pendulum above. Oh, don't put it in the water. No, don't put it in the water. Okay. Just a little above, like this. With a little bit of magic. Keith is getting hypnotized by what I'm doing right now. Okay. The tea is going to infuse itself. And nice, faster, faster. Oh, faster, so it, yep. like this? Yes, and now it should infuse. Look at this. You think so? Yes. I'm not sure how that's going to happen. I'm looking at just a glass. Oh, whoa. whoa. Hey, here. I wish I could make tea like that at home. Thank you, darling. No kidding. That's the most, now that would save some money on buying tea bags right yeah. there. Use the same one over and That's pretty impressive. You See, can keep but that. I'm this close and I still don't know what in the world you're doing and how you're doing it. That's pretty impressive. Even me from here, I don't see you, how I do it. You don't know how you do it either. That's really a great, great magician. Would you mind uh, holding that for me, please? Sure. It's a hole puncher and uh, this too. Okay, I'll hold this. Uh, someone, do you, have, do you guys have some tape? Some what? Tape? Ah, we got someone? tape. Yes, we do. I'm going to show you a way to dress up super fast. Oh, okay. okay? In an instant. You take a little bit of tape right. like this, and you put it here. Okay, like a tie. How does it look? Looks terrific. Right. Yeah. I can make it more realistic. All right. By just doing this. Oh, How does yeah. it look? Much better tie. That looks like a silk tie from Italy. Far away. Yeah, Italy but or somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> from... Now I can make it even more realistic by just doing this. Oh, yeah. That's, that's impressive. I'm sitting here, what, how did that happen? And now we're ready to start. Do you want to see a magic trick? I'd love to see a magic trick. I think I've just seen a couple of them. 
Well, let's see some more. <laughs> right. I'm game. Come on. I brought a, a bunch of playing cards. Uh, just let me know when you want to stop here. I'm gonna, we're going to choose a card. Okay. Let's stop right now. Here on the three of clubs? Three of clubs, yeah. All right. I'm going to take the whole puncher, and okay. you're going to punch that card. Okay? Okay. So go ahead. Punch the card. I'm going to put it inside the hole puncher. And okay. you are going to punch, okay, the other way. Just other way. like this. And ready, and punch. And when I say punch, you punch. Ready? And punch. All right. And again. Another time, huh? Another punch. And another punch, like the tickets in the subway. Go ahead. All right. Perfect. We've got four holes. Now you're going to sign the card. Just okay. put a little signature on the card. Sign the card. Yes. Okay. Now this card just became incredibly valuable because I put my autograph on it, right? <laughs> That's a very good. Actually, I just ruined a good deck of cards. Is what I did. Okay. Not exactly. Okay. And I'm not going to do a card trick. Huh. I'm going to do a hole trick. A what? A, a hole trick. trick. Okay. I'm going to take one hole. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And put it here. I put the holes in that card. I don't know what you just did. I'm going to put that hole over. Here. And this one, I'm going to slide it. No, you did not. Just here. No, you did not. These are real not. holes. <laughs> it's not They are. I can see through them. But look, look. If I shake the card, <laughs> they come back. Did you guys see that? <laughs> there, there, there's more. Do you want to see some more? I'd love to see some more because okay. I'm going to try to figure out how you give do Give me your hand just like this. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give you uh, this hole. And just hold it like that. Mm -hmm. And this one. Hold it like okay. that. And uh, this hole here, I can put it wherever you want. For example, okay. on that bottle. Oh, oh there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Hold this for me. Okay. Thank you so much. You are going to toss the holes onto the card. Ready? Okay. One, two, three. What do you mean to do? Toss the holes on the card. Up. And if I shake the cards, the holes come back into wherever you put them. This I, is your card, and you can keep it as a souvenir. That is great. And it really is the card that I put the holes in, and I signed it. There's the signature on the card so you can see. I'm not making this up. <laughs> well, I want to ask, you do this show in Las Vegas. Yes. I mean, this is amazing. You fooled Penn and Teller, and they don't get fooled very often. No. I mean, they're world-class magicians, and you fooled them. Yeah. What did they say to you when you just completely bamboozle them. <laughs> they, uh, they said that the, the, the good thing about it is it's to be original, and my trick yeah. was original, and even though magic is not just a, a puzzle, it's also something to make people uh, get out of their uh, daily life and yeah. bring them into a world, and that's what I do, and that's why I think uh, that act, they, 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 liked, they liked it because of that, because it, there was a story and there was some uh, whimsical and uh, dream, like dreamlike magic. It's amazing stuff. Have you got one more trick before I let you go? Because, I mean, why not? Do you want a trick? Absolutely I do. <laughs> All right. Uh, can I borrow your ring? Sure. My wedding ring? It's been on it's my your hands wedding for ring. 47 years. <laughs> can I get it off? Ah, yes, there I did. I got it off. Uh, what is it made of? It is made of gold, I hope. It's Unless gold. my wife was cheaper than I thought she was. It's supposed <laughs> to be made out of gold. <laughs> I, I have to do a heat test on the ring, okay? okay. 
If I find out that she's been tricking me all these years, <laughs> we're gonna see if the the, the trick can uh, if we can do the trick with the the ring by uh, performing this little heat test. If the goal is uh, heat resistance, we can do the trick. But your hand isn't. Whoa! Oh, I, that's gonna be a hard phone call to make, uh, Xavier. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I'm going home this weekend. I'm probably just gonna get a motel room somewhere and. Where is that ring? <laughs> I'm sorry, it wasn't uh, heat resistant. <laughs> and neither will I be. <laughs> Talking about burning up, I'm going to be burned to the stake, my man. Tell me you've Governor, had it. Governor, so. don't, be, don't be sad. I've got a little gift for you. If Remember? It, if that ring is in there, do I get to open it now? Do you want to open it now? My life is on the line, my friend. <laughs> my life is on the line. Let me see what's in that right. box. Pull the ribbon. Okay. Pull the ribbon. Just pull it slowly. Okay. And open the lid. Oh, look I'm... at this. Inside there is a gift for you. It is a watch. Oh, it's a watch. Which is great, but I need a ring, dude. I need a ring. <laughs> but that watch, that watch is very expensive. You know why? Why? Because the inside is made of gold. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to see the inside? I would love to see the inside. I need Give me your find... hand. Give me okay. your hand. Put your hand just like this. Oh, okay. We're going to open the watch. All right. Because as I told you, the inside. Oh, my soul. There. And it's not a fake. That is my wedding ring that I've had on my hand for 47 years. Trust me, I would recognize it. <laughs> that is amazing. Xavier? What a thrill to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hey, you can find out more about Xavier Mortimer's wonderful show, Magical Dreams at Bally's in Las Vegas, by visiting XavierMortimer.com, right there on your screen. And you can see more of his mind-bending magic tricks while you're there or by following him on social media. Do it. Next, Mike sits down with Waffle House CEO, Walt Eber. Plus, country music icon, Mo Bandy. You're watching Huckabee. Next week on Huckabee, Tennessee Congressman Chuck Fleischer and music legend Don McClain. Well, welcome back. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, or if you just follow me at mealtime, you know my love for Waffle House. You know, I actually feel sorry for people who live up north or out on the West Coast where they may not even have a Waffle House. Because the food is delicious, it's served fast, it's the best value for your money. Honestly, I get hungry just talking about it. Well, I recently sat down for a smothered and covered conversation with Waffle House CEO, Walt Emer, to learn more about this iconic American restaurant. Watch. Well, Walt, I think we can get our mask off now that we've got the food on the way, because it's hard to eat with one of these things it is, on, isn't it? It is hard to eat, so uh, thank you. Oh, that looks great. Thank you, Keisha. You know, Waffle House is my happy place. I eat at Waffle Houses all over the country where they are, and I wouldn't live in a state that didn't have one. 
there's something wrong with locations that don't have a Waffle House. We tell people if they if they want one and we're not there, they they probably should move. They, and I think you've said the same thing. I so. totally agree with that. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people, if they know Waffle House, they know it's consistent. The menu's going to be the same no matter what Waffle House you're in. The building will look pretty much the same. Uh, the food's going to be great. It's going to be served quick, hot. The price point is very, very affordable, inexpensive, great value. What's not to love? Well, I tell you, I think the thing that actually makes us special are the people. And, you know, we try to make all these variables the same everywhere so you can start from the same place. But the people in each location are what make each individual Waffle House special. And we tell people all the time, we're really not a chain of restaurants. We're a collection of a lot of individual restaurants that just do the same thing. And, the people in every one of our restaurants are, are what make us special. You got a member of Congress uh, from South Carolina who's uh, really becoming famous because yeah. she dropped out of high school, went to work at a Waffle House, and then worked her way through college and now is going to Congress. That ain't bad. No, she's doing pretty well for herself, <laughs> isn't she? So. But, and she loved her story of Waffle House. She learned how to work hard. Yeah. What a great testament to the I think the quality of what you try to put together. Our people are some of the greatest people in this country and they they work hard, they care for their customers, they care about each other and some people come for a little while to get themselves started on something in life and some people come and stay but there's plenty like her that started and moved on so. Waffle House is as old as I am. 65 years 65. you guys have been in business. How did it start? So in 1955, two neighbors started the business in a suburb of Atlanta, and they had this theory that they wanted to work with their friends and uh, and start a little business. And so it started slow, uh, one restaurant the first year, a second restaurant the second year, and they grew it very slowly over time, making sure they were getting it right. When I was governor, when we had disasters, tornadoes, floods, whatever it might be, we knew that FEMA Region 6 would determine how bad the catastrophe was by what they call the Waffle House test. This was real, and a lot of people think yeah. I was kidding when I tell them this, but it was real. If the Waffle House was running regular hours, if everything was normal, then it's a manageable catastrophe. If they were on modified hours, this is pretty bad. We better bring some assets together. If for any reason Waffle House was closed, all hands on deck. This is the mother of yeah. all disasters. We feel the same way. <laughs> One of the things that I always loved is that you do get to see it being made. And I'm always amazed that you have the servers and the cooks and this stuff is going on and they get it right. I mean, it's unbelievable that they're yelling out the orders and you know, and you're thinking there's no way they're gonna get this right, but they do. It seems like chaos, but there's actually a system to it all. The best part is they, when they're working together as a team, they really, they really know, you know, kind of play off each other's moves in essence and help each other out. And that's, that's when it all comes together perfectly. We can't let this food get any colder. We should get started. No, absolutely not. What a delight to get to be here. And thanks for making Waffle House not just for me, but for a lot of people, our happy place. Well, thank you. Thank you for being such a great customer over the years. We've uh, we've enjoyed doing business with you. I hope we can for years to come, so. Count on it. All right, great. Thank you, Governor. Thank you. All right. All right, Trey and Keith.
I noticed both of you guys watching mm. that segment with food envy in your eyes. Uh. So the good folks at Waffle House sent over some takeout for yeah. both of you guys and brought me some. Mm -hmm. uh, Keith, uh, what you and Trey get? What did you all have? I got a ham and cheese omelet here that's Ooh. divine. Yep. Looks pretty good. I'm, I'm going to eat while you talk. Trey, do you get the, anything? This is the best idea we've ever had on It is the show. best idea we've ever had. I mean, had. this is a really oh. good idea. You know, I the only bad waffle. thing, though, all the audience, they're really unhappy with us because we're sitting mm -hmm. here eating Waffle House food, and they're not. I feel real mm. guilty. I yeah. feel terrible. <laughs> and the band, I, I don't. I love you. I don't feel oh, bad yeah. at all. I love you all. I'm real guilty. Waffle House more, has more than 2,100 locations all over the U.S. I've been at most of them. There's even a Waffle House <laughs> Museum that you can visit. Now, if you want to visit with me, people say, hey, I'd like to meet with you somewhere. All right, easy. Just go to a Waffle House. I'll be there soon, okay? You can also learn more at WaffleHouse.com. Yeah, chop it off a little pecan pie. I'm going to finish my pie quick. Up next, it's Huckabee. It's country music legend Mo Bandy. Guys, always stealing my pie. We're about on the road and here get my pie. You know, I'm really afraid that they took my plate of Waffle House food backstage. It better be there after the show. Yeah, that's no fair. I'm, I'm just warning them now, I'm telling you. Well, one of my very favorites with us tonight, country music legend Mo Bandy. He's come a long way from his bull riding days in Texas. Trading the rodeo for country music, Mo Bandy has charted 10 number one hit songs. The Texas singer with the twin fiddles and steel guitar sound has really kept Texas-style honky-tonk music alive with some hits like I Just Started Hating Cheating Songs Today, Hank Williams, You Wrote My Life, and Bandy, The Rodeo Clown. He's got a brand new album out. It's called A Love Like That. It's out right now, and he's here to tell us about it. Welcome one of our favorites, Mo Bandy. Thank you. You know, your music is terrific, but your story is great. You used to honestly ride bulls in your young days. I, I was raised in a family that, that we had bull riding. My dad had bull riding his place. And uh, my brother went to the national finals seven times, Mike Bandy. Wow. But I had to quit because of back problems. Hmm. I got a big yellow streak right down the middle of it. <laughs> you know? Well, the fact it, that you did it once is more than I would have ever done. <laughs> but I, I did that. But I tell you, uh, we was raised uh, around the sport of rodeo, and I've, I've owned a couple of bucking bulls uh, yeah. in the PBR and the uh, PRCA, and uh, I've just enjoyed the sport of rodeo. has been really good to me. Isn't it one of the greatest American sports of all. I love rodeos. One it, of my favorites. It's American as apple pie. It is. It really is. It, it comes from our cowboys that worked on the ranch and all that. 
And uh, it really is. It's a great sport. Oh, by the way, yeah. that plate of food that yeah. you had. Did you get it? Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, man. That. Our interview is over, and Mo will not be able to sing tonight as a result. <laughs> hey, let's talk about this new album because uh, it's got some great songs on it. You're going to mm -hmm. do one of them with us here. Mm -hmm. Bill Anderson is one of the authors of uh, one of the songs that you'll do with us. Mm -hmm. Just great music. Well, thank you. We're very proud of this album. It... Uh, it was uh, Jimmy Capps produced this album. Yeah. And it was... Uh, what a great last, guy. What a great oh. guy. And we lost him. And uh, this is one of the last albums that he, mm. that he produced and played on. Oh, my goodness. He played every guitar part on there. And uh, it was just such an honor. Matter of fact, I've got Michelle Capps is with me tonight. She's going to sing with me uh, his will. And she sang with me on the record. Mm. So... But this album is very special to me because in, in memory of Jimmy. You know, Jimmy Caps was probably like a guitars player, a guitar player. Right. Because everybody who plays guitar wishes mm -hmm. they could play like Jimmy Caps. Exactly. And what a great man. He just was a great guy. He, you know, a lot of times you might be a great musician, but not a good guy. You know, a lot of, I know a lot of people like that. But a lot of country <laughs> singers want to be Mo Bandy, too. I guess so. And, One but, of the things, Mo, I want to ask you about, because you had a long friendship with uh, President Bush, 41, mm -hmm. and his uh, lovely wife, Barbara, who wrote the forward to your book, Lucky Me. We got a copy of right. that here. Yes. How did you get close to them? Was it a Texas thing? What was mm -hmm. it? I was doing, uh, I had the song Americana out, mm. and they were, uh, they were campaigning in 88. Yeah. They contacted our office, and I met them in Chicago, and we did eight rallies in one day. Wow. And uh, I would sing Americana, and then uh, it got towards the end of those, I would sing Americana, and then ladies and gentlemen, next president of the United States. And what an honor and a thrill, and a, I, I will never forget some of those stories and things that we did. We put them in the book, uh, Lucky Me, my book. I put a lot of that in there. But... Uh, they're just a great family. You know, they, they were... Lovely people. Just good family people. Yeah. And wanted to help our well, beautiful I, country. I, it's a great story. It's part of your book. But I really do want people to get a copy of Mo Bandy's new CD, new album called A Love Like That. Go to his website for more information about his music and the autobiography we've been talking about, Lucky Me. All of that at MoBandy.com. After the break, Mo Bandy performed on Huckabee. After the show, go to Huckabee.tv for an online exclusive performance of Till I'm Too Old to Die Young by Mo Bandy. Now, here to perform with Trey Corley in the Music City Connection with Mike on bass, country music legend Mo Bandy. He's never had a big house on the hill Never held nothing more than a hundred dollar bill But he's held her That's good enough for him He's never seen a Californian night Or New York City and all the Broadway lights But he's seen her blue eyes Looking back at him 